We have an anchor that keeps the soul steady. The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And now, Mike Hickson. In the book of Luke in chapter 18, we read about a man identified as a rich young ruler. And you remember, he asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And of course, Jesus then asked him, what's written in the law? The man recited what the law had to say. And then in a very pointed way, Jesus said to this man, go and sell all that you have. Distribute to the poor and follow me, and then you'll have treasure in heaven. On an annual basis, typically, you will read about people that are the richest individuals worldwide. A number of names come to the top of the list, as always. Bill Gates, Elon Musk, Warren Buffett. They all have sizable estates, very wealthy. Hard for me to wrap my mind around having, a, having an estate worth billions of dollars. There are a lot of people in the world today that can boast of sizable income. They can talk about their assets and all the things that they've accumulated in this life. There's nothing wrong with money, nothing wrong with wealth. As long as we use our wealth to the glory of God. And remember that we're stewards of that which God has placed into our hands. So sometimes you think about how much you have here on earth. Your finances. But really the question of this hour is not how much treasure you have here, but how much treasure do you have in heaven? Now again, going back to Luke 18, when Jesus talked to that rich young ruler, He said that if you will distribute, sell all that you have, in turn give that money to the poor and follow Him, He said, you'll have treasure in heaven. I would imagine that one of the problems this young man had was his wealth. Again, nothing wrong with money. But that wealth can become a God to us. And so we live in a day and time when many people accentuate the physical, the material, to the neglect of the spiritual. We are living in a day and time when secular society continues to grow and abound. And people in this country, people in the world, oftentimes place more emphasis on the secular than the spiritual. So as we begin this new year and you think about where you stand, spiritually speaking, I think it's a fair question. How much treasure do you have in heaven? I want to begin, first of all, by talking about what I would call is a futile life. Now in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus in this context has been talking about some traits or characteristics that were to be embedded in the lives of those who would be His disciples. And so the goal of those of us who follow Jesus is to take what He says, to internalize it, and then to the best of our ability to live it out in everyday life. And sometimes if we're not careful, we can 
view life from the wrong vantage point. In other words, we look at things through the lens of the world rather than looking at things through the lens of the Bible. So what Jesus is saying here is there are some dangers that we need to be aware of. Caution, if you please. So what about the danger? First, Jesus said there is a dangerous approach to life. And not just a dangerous approach to life, but there is a dangerous attitude that's sometimes demonstrated in this life. So listen to what Jesus said. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. Now, to boil it all down, Jesus is simply saying this. When you invest in the here and now, that is, when you invest in worldly goods, you have to understand that over time, the things that we accumulate will potentially tarnish. And then the things that we accumulate can sometimes be taken from us in this life. They might be stolen. There have been many people in our world today, they have created a sizable fortune only to lose it all. So Jesus is saying you need to understand something. You need to anchor your life in what we would call spiritual things. To understand that the things of this world are simply that. They are things of this world. But what about our attitude? What about that dangerous attitude that Jesus is talking about here? Let's just suppose that we immerse ourselves in the luxuries of life. If we're doing all that we can to accumulate wealth on earth, and we forget about spiritual things, and so we spend 60, 70, 80 years upon this earth, and we're building wealth, and we've got a tremendous financial portfolio, and we can open it up, show it to anybody, they'd be impressed. So here's the question. If you're building, building, building wealth on this earth, if you're laying up treasures for yourself right here, but you forget about eternity and death comes, what then? Do you remember in Luke chapter 12, Jesus said in the long ago to beware of covetousness. And then he went on to say, a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things he possesses. Now, really what he's saying is this. There are a lot of people in our world today, their identification is what they have, what they possess, or to put it another way, what they have become. Oh, she is the CEO of a company, corporation. Or he is a senator, a congressperson. You know, it's all about political clout, financial clout, clout in the world in which we live from a business vantage point. And yet, on the heels of that, Jesus told a parable, didn't he? About a rich farmer. And he said, really, life was good for that man. Because life was so good, because his business was expanding and growing. He said, I've got a problem. I've got to pull down my barns and build greater barns so that I might have the ability 
to, to store all the things that I've accumulated. And Jesus said, well, you got a problem. You see, his attitude was, eat, drink, and be merry. But Jesus, in that context, in about verse 20, said, here's, here's the real deal. You're going to die tonight. And once you step out into eternity, all the things that you have accumulated, that sizable wealth, estate, who's going to have that after you leave this world? In other words, who are you going to leave it to? Can't take it with you. Do you remember what Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 6? We brought nothing into this world. Now listen to it. It is certain we can carry nothing out. So let's just say that it's all about the here and now. We're trying to build wealth and build this and build that. And we're so consumed with what's going on in life today that we forget about eternity and death comes. The question of the hour, what then? Now Jesus said this man was wealthy in the eyes of the world. Oh, he had a lot of earthly wealth, but he wasn't rich toward God. There's a second thought. First, we talk about that futile life, a life that is void of substance. The life that's void of substance is a life without Almighty God. Solomon teaches that in the book of Ecclesiastes, doesn't he? So what about, what about a fruitful, or we might say a full life? I don't, know, I don't know anybody who wouldn't say right up front, I want to have a great life. I want to have a full life. I want to have a satisfied life. You know, Peter talks about those who would love life, see good days. Anything wrong with loving life? Absolutely not. If you love life and if you're enjoying the things that God's blessed you with, then my statement to you, God bless you. So what about a full life? A fruitful life. Well, I think first and foremost to understand something about the affections of a believer. What do you love in this life? What are things that you enjoy doing? Are there things that bring you immense happiness, pleasure, satisfaction, contentment in life? There are always people that are looking for that latest fad that will bring them some type of happiness. What Jesus is saying is simply this. The full life, the fruitful life, the life that is not void of emptiness is a life rooted in God. So the affections of a believer. Now here it is. Listen to what Jesus said. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. But rather, he said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not corrupt, where thieves do not break in and steal. What are you saying, Lord? He's saying that the affection of a believer is such that he or she is willing to demonstrate an interest in spiritual things. And they back that up by investing in spiritual things. How interested are you in spiritual things? Seven days in a week, 24 hours in a day. How much time do you spend thinking about spiritual things? 
Now, you know, it's one thing to show interest in spiritual things. It's another thing to invest in spiritual things. How much time do you spend trying to draw closer to your Creator? You know, James said, draw near to God, He'll draw near to you. Let me share with you a couple of thoughts. Go back and look at Psalm 1 for a minute. You remember in Psalm 1, the Bible talks about the blessed man. And it said, His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in that law he meditates how often? Day and night. You think he was interested in spiritual things? Was he investing in spiritual things? How am I going to grow closer to God if I never open his book and study and meditate on His divine precepts. The only time I open the Word of God is on Sunday morning when I come to worship. If perchance I come back on Sunday night, I open it again. And then on Wednesday night, I'm here and we open it again. Outside of that, I don't spend much time in the Word of God. How interested would you say somebody genuinely is in growing closer to God through His Word, if he or she only spends about three times a week opening this book. We are in the heart of naming a champion in NCAA football. We'll have a game in about a week. Now, I don't know what your favorite team is, But there are a lot of folks, they spend an enormous amount of time every single day tracking their team. They're looking at the statistics of those who are on the team. They're trying to identify prospects that might sign with their team. Well, why? Oh, because they love it. Now, we spend a lot of time because we're interested in college football. Nothing wrong with that. But do we spend more time reading and studying about our favorite team than we do God's Word? And if the answer to that is, yes, we spend more time doing that, again, I ask you this question. Are we interested in spiritual things? Are we investing in spiritual things? How much time do you spend in prayer? The Bible says that Jesus on one occasion arose early in the morning, went out to a solitary place, and there He prayed. And I remember Jesus in Luke chapter 6, before He selected the apostles, spent the night in prayer to God. And I hear Paul saying, pray without ceasing. The psalmist said in Psalm 55, evening, morning, and noon will I pray, cry aloud. How often do you pray to God? Are you interested in growing closer to God? Are you investing in spiritual things? You see, we understand what it means to invest in material and physical things. But do we understand what it means to invest in the spiritual dimension of life? What about worship? I'm going to say something, and it might be that you're here today, and maybe you're not going to like what I've got to say. That's okay. I understand that. I'm not here to win a popularity contest. I'm here to tell you what God's Word says. Wednesday evening this past week, we talked about the Sabbath. We're not under the old law. We're not under the Sabbath. But we are to observe, listen, 
the Lord's day. I know without a shadow of a doubt there are people here Sunday morning and you might be here and you might fall into that category. And I've come to the conclusion that there is not a single thing that I could say at this point in time that's going to change your mind about coming back tonight. But you need to know something. You need to understand when you walk out of here today, you need to understand that you're really not interested in spiritual things and you're not investing in spiritual things. No, you're not laying up treasure for yourself in heaven. Now, you can go out to eat at night and you can watch your television at night and you can do this and you can do that and you can run here and you can run there, but you can't come back Sunday night, you can't come back Wednesday night. Why is that? Let me tell you why. You've got a heart problem. You understand what I'm saying? You have a heart problem. Now, you can leave here mad. That's okay. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. If you love God with all of your heart, soul, and mind, I'm not talking about people that have to work. I'm not talking about people that have health problems. I'm not talking about people that can't see at night, and so they're afraid to get on the road. I understand that. But I'm talking about people that deliberately, willfully say, I'm not coming back. You've got a problem. Somebody needs to wake you up. You need to know, without a shadow of a doubt, you don't invest in spiritual things, you're not interested in spiritual things. Listen, when the children of Israel observed the Sabbath, the goal was to cause them to reflect upon spiritual things. If you're only coming one time a week, by the way, have you ever thought about in the Bible, John talks about the Lord's day, not hour, not two hours, no, the Lord's day. This is God's day. And you don't love God enough to come back at night, shame on you. Shame on you. Somebody needs to jerk your chain. I'm here to rattle your cage because, listen, I don't want you to go to hell. I can't make any plainer than that. Do you know what I'm saying? We've got some folks, they have no support in their spiritual life, but they're here every time the doors are open. Do you know why that is? Because they love God. They love His Word. Now you can leave and say, I'm never coming back again. That's your business. You don't have to come back here. You don't have to attend here. But I can tell you this, and please listen very carefully. You can't build a church on people that come to services only one time a week. You can't build a church on people like that. Now listen, if I'm hitting home, if I'm knocking on your doorstep, then that, so be it. You need to hear that. We've got some folks that are members of this congregation. I'm just telling you straight up, we can't build the work here on you. You know why? Because we can't depend on you. I don't know if you're going to be here Sunday or not. I know you're not coming back Sunday night. I know you're not coming back Wednesday night. Now, I can talk about the love of God, the cross of Christ. I can preach hellfire and brimstone. But you're not coming back. Do me a favor. When you stand before God on the day of judgment, I want you to tell God, please tell Him for me. I told you, you need to be faithful to God. You tell Him that. You tell Him, I told you exactly where you stood spiritually. It's on you now. It's on you.
Blood's not on my hands. Now look, you can get another preacher. If you want to do that, that's fine. I understand that. You decide you want to go a different direction, I'll be more than happy to pack up and leave. But I am not going to compromise the truth of Almighty God. I will not do it. And we need to have prayer meeting here. And we need to know where we stand with Almighty God. So I ask you, how interested are you in spiritual things? Have you invested? You know, we talk about it in the corporate world. Being vested? Are you vested in Christ? Let me tell you about the aim of a believer. The aim of a believer is to live for Christ. And do you know why? So that he or she might live with Christ one day. What was it Paul said? To live is Christ, to die is gain? Didn't Paul say, I've been crucified with Christ, the life that I live in the flesh, I live in faith? You're crucified with Christ. You're putting Him first. Either you are or you're not. Either Jesus is first in your life or He's not. And if He's not, you know where you stand. Let me give you a book, chapter, and verse. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That's it. And Paul said in Colossians chapter 3 at verse 4, When Christ, who is our life, when He appears, oh, we'll appear with Him in glory. Now thirdly, the fact of life. I want you to hear the fact of life. Read it with me so you don't miss it. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know what He's saying? Follow the treasure... And we'll follow your heart. Now, there are only three options here. Either you're investing in the fiscal realm. And Jesus talks about that in Matthew chapter 6. He talks about people that are concerned about what they'll eat, what they'll drink, what they'll wear. People like that today? Sure. I mean, aren't there people today, they're worried about their fiscal body? It's all about what we're going to eat today, where we're going to eat. Isn't it about satisfying those hunger pains, what are we going to eat? When? And then, what are we going to wear? How much money do we invest in the finer things of life? Clothing, etc. And then, not just the fiscal, but the material. Didn't Paul say, those who are minded to be rich fall into a temptation snare and many foolish and hurtful lusts, listen to him, which drown men in destruction and perdition. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, which some having reached after have pierced themselves through with many sorrows and been led astray from the faith. Are you saying then that people can get so caught up in the world that all they're thinking about is business? Remember what I said about the Sabbath? Children of Israel, it was a time to reflect upon spiritual things. Remember that? Read Amos chapter 8. The people in that day and time, they had become so materialistic, so carnally minded. You know what their thinking was? We've got to hurry up and put an exclamation mark on the Sabbath. Why? So we can get back to business. We've got to get back to making money. It's about making the almighty dollar. 
Is that you? Just about business? Can we have interest outside the body of Christ? Sure we can. We've got to work. We've got lots of things that are going on in life. But what we've got to understand is that if we don't invest in the spiritual, we'll be in trouble. The third possibility is that our treasure is in spiritual things. You know, John wrote to a fellow by the name of Gaius. He said, Beloved, I pray or wish that above all things you might prosper and be in health. Listen to him. Even as your soul prospers. Now what a contrast. On the one hand, you have the rich young ruler of whom the Bible says, after being instructed by Jesus to sell all he had, distribute to the poor, follow him, wouldn't do it and went away sorrowful. Was he rich spiritually? Didn't Jesus say, sell all you have, you'll have treasure in heaven? He made a choice, didn't he? What was his choice? The here and now. you got a choice. You've got a choice to make today. What's your choice? Now look, if you're not investing in spiritual things, you're a poor person. Now if you don't have much laid up in heaven... And Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you don't have a lot of money in God's bank account, and by the way, we give every first day of the week, don't we? And we give so that we can invest in spiritual things. The elders have the responsibility of taking the money, the funds that we put in the plate, investing that money for whose glory and whose good? God's. They'll give an account of that. Now, they're investing in spiritual things on our behalf. A financial planner, advisor, takes your money and invests it so that it will yield a dividend. We're investing in spiritual things. Why? That we might reap a dividend. Let's close. Let's close this lesson today by just asking a plain question. How much money do you have in God's bank? You've got to answer that. I can tell you this. You better not die with God's money in your bank. When you step out into eternity, you need to make sure that you have been laying up treasures in heaven. If you're not a Christian, I encourage you to come to Christ. The Bible tells us God wants all men to be saved, come to the knowledge of the truth. What you need to do? Obey the gospel. Repent of your sins, be baptized unto Christ, let Him add you to the church. Now, let's say you're in the church and you don't have a dime in heaven, not one dime. I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to repent. That's what the Bible says. Now, that choice is yours. When you stand in front of the mirror, what do you see? When people look at you, what do they see? Now, please listen very carefully as we close. You can fool yourself. You, other people can be fooled by you, but you can't fool God. You can step in front of that mirror and you can say to yourself, you know what, I've got treasure in heaven. People that know you, they can say, you know what, he or she has treasure in heaven. When in reality, you don't. 
Make no mistake about it. God knows exactly where you are in this life. The Bible says He searches the reins and hearts and gives to every man according to His works. The Bible says, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and listen to Him. And their works follow them. You better be banking in heaven. I hope and pray that you're where you need to be spiritually. But I know that there are, I know for a fact, there are people here that aren't. That's just the honest truth. I would do you a disservice if I did not tell you what God said in His Word about where you stand spiritually. Do I relish that? No. But God's going to hold me accountable. Plain yes. Pull no punches? Absolutely. I don't want you to leave here with any misunderstanding about what I said. If you need to meet with me and talk to me afterward, happy to meet with you. But I want you to know, God wants you to go to heaven. The Lord Jesus wants you to go to heaven. Holy Spirit wants you to go to heaven. The question is, do you want to go to heaven? Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. We have an anchor that keeps the soul Steadfast and sure while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love